We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Well, I want us to take God's Word and look into the book of Genesis, the fifth chapter. I thought in my reading of the Word of God, and I trust that you are on this journey, we're reading the Bible together in 2024, and you can read three chapters from the Old Testament in the morning, on average, about three chapters, and then one chapter in the New Testament in the evening. And you can read through the Bible in a year on that schedule. We have those schedules available at the information desk, and I hope you will stop by and pick one up. But in Genesis chapter 5, in verse 21, the Lord spoke to me this week through this passage and has directed me to preach uh, on this first Sunday of 2024 uh, from this passage. Let's look at it uh, together, Genesis 5 and verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. What do we know about Enoch? Well, we know the Bible tells us twice in verse 22 and also again in verse 24 that Enoch walked with God. Now, I don't think Enoch had to advertise that, do you? That was known of Enoch. The Bible said he had this testimony in the book of Hebrews that he pleased God. You see, a man who walks with God is a man who will please God. And a man who walks with God doesn't have to tell you he's walking with God. It will be evident. When Moses went up onto the mountain to meet with God, he came back off the mountain, and he was unaware that his face was shining with the glory of God. His face was so radiant that they had to cover it so that men could stand to be in his presence. The Bible says that Peter and James and John, as they uh, went about their daily lives and their ministry in Jerusalem, the Bible says that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They saw these men, these common men, these fishermen, these men of Galilee, and they said, they have been with Jesus. You see, when you and I walk with God, we won't have to tell anybody. Everybody will know it. There'll be something different about our lives. And the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. That word walk, it means to go. It means to come. The Lord has invited us to come to him and walk with him. It carries the idea of movement. It is used to describe the flowing of a river, the descending of the rain, the movement of animals, the blowing of the wind, the tossing of the sea. It is used metaphorically to 
speak to us concerning the pathways of our life. A son may be encouraged to walk in the ways of his father. Israel was commanded to walk in the ways of the Lord, to move in agreement and in the same direction and to fellowship and commune with the one with whom we're walking, to walk with God. And we note that Enoch walked with God. Perhaps others did, but Enoch's walk was so, uh, so prominent in his life that God in his word mentions to us twice in just a matter of three verses that Enoch walked with God. We note the number of years that Enoch lived. The Bible tells us in verse 23 that all the days of Enoch were 365 years. This man lived 365 years. It's interesting to note that he did not die. The Bible says in verse 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He went on a walk with God, and God said, Hey, Enoch, why don't you just come on up to heaven with me? And Enoch said, Sounds good to me. The Bible said he was translated. He was changed. And he went to be with God. Enoch walked with God. Three hundred and 65 years. Does that stand out to you, that number? None of us expect to live 365 years. That would really be noteworthy, wouldn't it? But we know from reading the record of Genesis 5 that there were men who lived in upwards of 900 years before the flood. Enoch then, relatively speaking, lived a rather short life here on earth. 365. But well, we understand that while we don't expect to live 365 years, we do hope that if God by His grace allows us to live throughout this year, 2024, that we'll get to enjoy 365 days. 365 opportunities to walk with God. What will we do with these days? After today, we have 358 remaining in 2024. And what will we be known for this year? What will we accomplish? What will we pursue? What will we do with the precious time that God gives us? Moses recognized that time was precious. In Psalm 90 and verse 10, he says, The days of our years are threescore years and ten. By the time of Moses, after the flood, the life expectancy of humanity had decreased significantly, threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. This earthly life is characterized with toil and sorrow. Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. So we can count on trouble in 2024. We can also count on God's faithfulness and blessings. Moses said, we might make it to 70, 
perhaps we'd make it to 80. But no matter what age we make it to, he says, it is soon cut off and we fly away. The end comes quicker than we expect. And we're never quite ready for it. So he said in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. With the days God has remaining for us, we need to understand that we must apply our hearts to wisdom and use those days for the glory of God. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said in Ephesians 5 and verse 15, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, making good use of the time, because the days are evil. James said in James chapter 4 and verse 14, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. But Peter reminds us of the words of Isaiah in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 24. For all flesh, all humanity, all human life is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. The human life, human accomplishment, human glory is like the grass springing up in the morning and then withering under the heat of the sun. It is soon cut down, the Bible says. So the question comes to us, what will we do with the precious time that God gives to us? Will we spend our days walking uh, according to our own pursuit, our own desire, our own whims, drawn away, off the course that God has directed us and onto the course of the world? Or will we follow the course that the Lord has charted for us? Uh, one thing we note about this walk is that you don't just fall into this path and you don't just stay on it by chance. It's a choice. And as we approach this coming year, may God help us to make the choice to walk with God. You see, you can believe in God and not really walk with God. You can trust in God and still not faithfully walk with God. You can attend church and give. You can even serve from time to time and still not faithfully walk with God. We learn from Enoch something about how we are to walk with God. And there are three truths that I want us to consider this morning. I want us to consider, first of all, the possibility of a daily walk with God. It is possible to walk with God. And we're going to note how it became possible. Then secondly, we'll note the privilege of a daily walk with God. To think that we are invited by God to walk with Him. That's a privilege I think we fail to consider. And then we'll see thirdly the pursuit of a daily walk with God. 
Well, I want you to note these things with me. We can look, first of all, at the possibility of a daily walk with God. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Now, Amos proposed the question in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer to that question is no. Two cannot walk together except they be agreed. The problem is that if two of us are walking together, we normally have different goals and we normally have a different route that we would like to take because our personalities are different and, and our desires are different. But the truth of the matter is that if we're going to walk with God, we have to be in agreement with God because God navigates the path. We're just simply there to walk with him, to enjoy him, to know him, to enjoy the blessings of walking with God. So how do two people who are in disagreement come to agreement? You see, you and I, whether we recognize it or not, we live in a body of flesh that is in disagreement with God. It all began in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. The Bible said that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and did eat the fruit that God told her not to eat from, she ate from. She rebelled against God. She gave to her husband. He ate as well. That's when they parted ways. When man chose to rebel against God, and man ruined his walk with God. Notice in verse number 8 of Genesis chapter number 3, and they, that's Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God. Notice how they heard him. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. You know, you and I can walk with God because God came walking to us. He came walking to us. He came walking to Adam and Eve in the garden of the cool of the day. But notice what Adam and Eve did in verse number 8. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Here they are, no longer walking with God as they had previously. Now, when they hear God coming to take a walk with them, they're running from him. And so, men have been running ever since. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We think we have this figured out. We know how to handle life. We know what we want. We know what we need. And we really don't like anybody telling us what to do. And the problem is the way that we tread is the way of man. It's the way of sin. It's the way of the flesh. And Paul described it in Romans chapter 3 this way. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all, that's all humanity, gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. There is no one who is walking in agreement with God. Why? Because we're sinners. We're rebels against God. We've been ruined by sin. And Paul concluded in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we have a problem. 
We cannot walk with God because we're not in agreement with God. Yet God came walking to us in order to provide a way that we could walk with him. Now, what did God do? Well, if you look in Genesis 3 and verse 7, we find that God covered their sin and shame. In verse 7, the eyes of them both, Adam and Eve, were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They were exposed in their sin and their rebellion. And in that shame, they hid from the Lord, and they, they attempted to, to cover their own nakedness. They, they attempted to, to, to masquerade their sin and their shame by sewing fig leaves together. But there was only one garment that could cover them, and it wasn't a garment of their own making. In verse 21 of Genesis 3, the Bible says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. The Lord God slew an animal in that garden. I imagine it to be a lamb. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. And he took the skin of that animal and he made the garment. He cloaked them. And God has provided for us naked exposed in our sin and shame the garment of righteousness through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they could come out from hiding. They could come out from their sin and shame and come into the presence of a holy God. Not only that, but he calmed their fears. In verse number 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. You try to talk to somebody about the Lord or their relationship with Christ. Talk to them about eternity. Talk to them about the inevitability of their death and they usually do not like to talk about it. I think that's a private matter. I don't give that much thought. I'm really not interested in talking about it. Do you know why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid to consider it. They're afraid of what impact that may have on their daily choices. They're afraid to face the reality of the condemnation and the guilt of sin and the judgment of a holy God. And therefore, they run. But God, in his loving voice of truth and grace, spoke soothing words of comfort to them, and he calmed them in their fears. He offered to them a remedy for their ruin. He gave them hope in the midst of their hurt. But then we see not only that, but he comforted them in sorrow. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the serpent. He's speaking to the devil. 
and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. What is he speaking of here? He is speaking of the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one born of a virgin, the Son of God, who would come and make the payment for our sin. He would suffer, bleed, and die on the cross. Therefore, his heel would be bruised. But he would come out of the grave on the third day victorious and triumphant, and he, <coughs> excuse me, he would strike the death blow upon the head of the serpent. He would remove from them the sting of death and give to them the hope of life. He comforted them in their sorrow. What did he do? He made it possible for those who were enemies of God to walk with God. And God has made it possible for you and I to walk with him. Maybe you're here this morning and you are in your sin. You've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see yourself as a sinner, condemned, and the thought of death and judgment is a subject you don't even like to consider. But you know it won't go away. It's inevitably coming to us all. And the truth of the matter is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came walking to all of us. And he has spoken with his voice words of comfort, words of redemption. And if we will believe on him and confess our sin and come to him, he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He will make peace with us, removing the guilt and condemnation, and give us eternal life. And that adversarial relationship that man started in the garden with his rebellion will become restored and will have the possibility again of a daily walk with God. The second truth I want us to see this morning, not only the possibility of a daily walk with God, but the privilege of a daily walk with God. To think that God, who spoke this universe into existence, desires to walk with us. You see, we need to understand that God made us with the intent that we would walk with him. And then when we rebelled against him, he provided the way that we could be restored to him so that we could walk yet with him again. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that you and I can fellowship with God in a day when it seems that few are really interested in having fellowship with him. And why is that, that few are interested? Because they don't understand the privilege of walking with God. In fact, I would, I would say to you that many Christians don't really consider the privilege it is to walk with God, to go through life with God. I remember as a little boy, my grandfather said to me, let's take a walk. And we walked along the farm that used to belong to my grandmother and her father before that. It was about an 80-acre farm. We walked through the barn and we walked through the woods and into a field and 
through the field and into another uh, wooded area. And it was just the best day. I felt privileged to be walking there with my grandfather. And you know, really, I think I'm the only boy that he would have taken on such a walk because I was his grandson. You see, we have the privilege of relationship, those of us who know God. We belong to him. But as many as received him, John chapter 1, verse 12, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. He is our Father, and we have the privilege of relationship. We have been restored to Him. We who were alienated from Him. We who were strangers have become fellow citizens. We're part of the household of God. We are now a part of the family of God. We have the privilege of relationship, and God desires to walk with us. What a blessing, what a joy it is, what a privilege, what an honor it is for you and I to be able to walk through 2024 day by day, 365 days with God. We have the privilege of relationship. We also have the privilege of revelation. You see, as we walk with God, God speaks to us. In Jude chapter 1, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, but in Jude verse 14, the Word of God tells us this, that Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. Enoch prophesied. We wouldn't know that had Jude not told us. We have no record of his prophecies, but Jude tells us of one. The Bible says that Enoch prophesied, and here's what he said, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and for all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Jude prophesied of the coming of the Lord. He's coming with ten thousands of his saints. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus. Jude walked with God, and God spoke to Jude, and he led him in on some things. And I want to tell you, it is a privilege for you and I to walk with God and spend time with God in his word. Because as we spend time with God in his word, he lets us in on some things, doesn't he? I'm coming again. That's what he wants us to know. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what he wants us to know. Let not your heart be troubled, he says. When you see these things coming to pass, and we see them, right? We see a world falling apart. We see a world in a hopeless, lost condition, blind men grasping trying to save the world, trying to save the environment, trying to come up with economic plans and political plans. We see a, a, a nation such as our nation founded on the truth and principles of God's word 
we see it falling apart before our very eyes. But we don't have to be troubled in the midst of it because God has told us these things would come to pass so that we can walk in light, not in darkness. And when we deal with personal difficulties and hardships, when we deal with trials and temptations and heavy, heavy, difficult issues of life, we don't deal with them as an unbelieving world deals with them. We deal with them in the light of the truth of God's Word. We have the privilege of revelation, the Word of God to guide us in difficult days. You see, in 2024, you and I have the privilege of walking with God. And oh, what a glorious privilege it is. Don't you wish we saw it that way more often? We wouldn't have such a hard time saying no to the alert on our phone or to our flesh. This is when you just rather do something else or to our schedule, which often keeps us away from God or to the frailty of our mind, which strays in our thoughts, that really resists us in our prayer life and our devotional life. You see, this is a struggle that we're in if we're going to walk with God. But oh, it's a privilege, isn't it? And so what are we learning this morning? We're learning that it is possible for you and I to walk with God and that God has made the way for us. We're learning that it is a privilege to walk every day in the light of God's truth. We're learning, lastly, that it's a pursuit. The pursuit of a daily walk with God. As I said in the introduction, you don't just fall into a walk with God. You don't just happen to start walking with God. You have to intentionally choose to walk with God. And as we think about the 358 days that follow after today, we must determine, we must choose to chart our course and walk with God. There are two paths that we can choose to walk in. We could walk as men walk, speaking of men who are unregenerate, men without God men in the natural man way of thinking. Those men, according to the Word of God, walk in the flesh. They walk according to the lusts of their flesh, what they desire. They walk according to their mind, their fallen mind, their corrupt mind. They, they try to follow what they consider to be logic and the way the things ought to be done, but without regard to God. They walk, as the Word of God describes, according to the lusts of their flesh. They walk disorderly, not in agreement, not in submission to God's Word. They get out of line, and they walk in darkness, groping, not knowing what they're walking on or what they're walking over, what dangers, what snares lie in front of them. 
We can walk that way. Or we can choose to walk with God in His Word, in prayer, and in righteousness. You see, the Bible describes what it is like to walk with God. Paul said in Romans 6, 4, that we're to walk in the newness of life. In 2 Corinthians 5, he said that old things are passed away and all things are become new. You see, we are new creatures. We have a new life. And we are to walk in the newness of that life. We're to walk by faith, believing and trusting God in 2024, embracing His promises. We're to walk honestly, in integrity, in virtue, not lying, not deceiving, not for the benefit of staying out of trouble with our parents or our teachers not for the benefit of making a business deal. We're to walk honestly. We're to walk in the Spirit. We're to walk in love, not in anger, not in hatred, but in love. We're to walk circumspectly, wisely. We're to walk in unity, not in discord, not in disagreement, not in strife, but in unity. We're to walk in wisdom, the wisdom of God, not according to the natural mind and the natural man who thinks that the wisdom of God is foolishness. No, we're to walk in the wisdom of God. We're to walk in the light, the light of God's truth. We're to walk in obedience, to obey God, to take His Word serious, to understand that God expects His children to be obedient to Him. Not just to give the Lord lip service, but for us to be obedient to God. To walk in truth. To know what the Word of God says and how we are to respond and how we are to act and how we are to interpret the things that we see happening in our world in the light of God's truth. You see, this is a choice that you and I have to make. I don't think it was easy for Enoch to walk with God. Enoch was living in the last days before the flood. And what do we know about the flood? We know that there were only eight people who got on board the ark. It was a day when few believed. And what did Enoch's prophecy tell us? It told us something of the climate of his day, that there were ungodly men committing ungodly deeds, making ungodly speeches. We live in such a day, don't we? You have to go against the stream. You have to go against the current. You have to determine in your heart I'm going to walk with God. You have to say no to yourself, to your comfort, to the flesh, to the world, and to the devil. Enoch, where are you going? Why are you putting your shoes on so early? I'm going on a walk. 
they did have to ask him who he was going on a walk with. He was going on a walk with God. But he had to get up. Had to get his shoes on. And he had to get out there. And you and I are going to have to get up. Get our shoes on. Get our Bible. Get on our knees. And spend time with God. If we're going to walk with God. It's a possibility. It's a privilege. It's a pursuit. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never taken a step with God. I want you to know he loves you. And he's taken a step toward you. He's come to walk upon this earth seeking to save that which was lost. Would you confess your sin to him today and receive him by faith and be saved? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll call on the Lord, believing in your heart that he's the son of God who died for you, you'll confess him with your mouth, confessing that you're a sinner and that he's the savior. He'll save you. You can start that walk today. I don't think there's a better time to do it than the first Sunday of the year, do you? Christian friend, have you forgotten what a privilege it is? To walk with God. Have you let other things get in the way? Things that are more pressing, things that seem to you to be more important, the to-do list, the whims and the fancies of the flesh and the world? Have we forgotten? God is waiting on us to walk with him. And are we willing to make the choice every day to walk with God? Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.